You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, have you ever wondered how I generate thousands of inbound leads per year using LinkedIn? Well, this episode is sponsored by my guide, The Ultimate Guide to Generating Inbound Leads with LinkedIn. This is the definitive guide on how to consistently generate inbound leads using LinkedIn and social selling. So if you want a copy of that guide, just send a text to 44222 with the word L-I guide, all one word, L-I guide to 44222, or you can go to my website at askdennisbrown.com forward slash guide. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. Today's guest's name is Peter Levitan. He's a consultant for advertising, digital, and PR agencies and the host of the podcast, Advertising Stories. Peter now uses his vast experience in counsel to counsel and coach agencies across the globe how to build kick-ass business development programs. And that's part of what he's going to talk to us today about. Welcome to the show, Peter. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for being here. I mean, it's interesting. You wrote a book and, you know, we were talking before we hit record. You wrote a book six years ago called The Levitan Pitch, Buy This Book and Win More Sales. Is that what it was? Levitan Pitch, Buy This Book, Win More Pitches. Win More Pitches. There you go. Okay. So a lot has changed in six years since that book, right? I mean, technology, you know, COVID has taken over the entire business world, you know, has reshaped the business world. And so today we're going to talk about kind of some of the concepts that you shared in that book, but maybe a little bit more modern version of that. And it's the focal point today, just to tease everybody, is kind of selling enterprise accounts virtually, right? This whole concept of how to sell enterprise accounts, because for those of you that are in sales or getting into sales or hate sales, <laughs> whatever you're, wherever you fit into that, enterprise sales is quite a bit different than, you know, just selling one-off small accounts, right? I mean, there's some fundamentals that are the same, but you have to check some boxes when you're selling enterprise. And so, you know, that's what Peter's very good at, you know, in the agency world, he worked for some of the largest agencies. Why don't you tell us a little bit of background, share a little bit of background. I think you were with Saatchi and Saatchi and some really big agencies where you were out pitching some big accounts. I started in New York City working for a company called Dancer Fitzgerald Sample, which was the largest agency in New York. So Toyota, Nabisco, General Mills, Procter & Gamble, huge accounts. And we were bought by Saatchi. So that was my 16 years in the mega world. I opened an office in Minneapolis, worked out of New York, worked out of London. And you know, I'd have to say it was the good old days. Sales were very different then. As the most famous agency in the, in the world, my phone rang, right? You know, that was the kind of sales you want, right? My phone rang. I then started two internet companies of 95 to 2001, and then went back into the advertising business, bought an agency, moved to Oregon to just get out of the East Coast. And uh, so I've had a lot of different experiences. I've seen a lot of, to put it mildly, different things. I've pitched tiny accounts, and I've flown to Seoul, Korea to pitch huge accounts. So it's been interesting. And the past six years, I've consulted with agencies around the world on their business development programs. So why did you decide to put this book together six years ago? Because I know you're in the process of, of potentially rewriting it, maybe modernizing it and bringing it up to speed a little bit. And that's part of what we're going to talk about today. But why did you write the book initially? What was it about that topic that just 
you know, because writing books is not easy for the average person. I mean, you know, it's kind of painful. <laughs> that's, well, how, that's how a lot of people describe it. Yes. Why did well, you decide I'm a, that book? I'm a pretty good writer. So we we're, at least I'm starting there. The book, the intention of the book for me and objectives as a salesperson was to create a, a book, a thing that I could use for marketing, right? It's the, the sole intention of the book is to make me look and sound like an expert. And I picked the subject because there is really no sales organization in the universe that would not like to create a better presentation, a better pitch, a well-crafted conversation with a prospect. So I knew that, and that's where I went in terms of subject. You know, I, I had an array of subjects, and I said, people are having trouble doing presentations. Let's help them. Gotcha. So you used it as kind of a calling card and a, and a positioning piece and an authority piece, and then that opened up a lot of doors of which now you do a lot of consulting. In a, yeah, in a I am not topic. Gary Vaynerchuk. You know, I'm not going to put out a book and, and sell a million copies. The book is intended and has worked very well to get me business leads, the right business leads. And by the way, the book's so well enough that I've made money on the book, but you know, a few dinners out. Yeah, yeah. That's just a little bit of extra change, but the value that came from the consulting. So, all right, great. So why don't we do this? We've got, there's a lot of different directions we can go and we've got a short amount of time to do it. And I want to make sure that the audience walks away with some value. And I think the challenge is a big topic and a small amount of time, but I think we might've sorted it out here. So this whole concept of your background, which is selling these large enterprise accounts and doing the presentations and the pitches for these large enterprise type accounts that you did at Saatchi and Saatchi and all these other bigger agencies how does that convert into the modern world, right? Everybody is, you know, using Zoom and a large percentage of people are working from home and you don't have that face-to-face that you had, you know, back in the agency days, the good old days, as you put it, right? So how has that changed things and how are we as business owners, entrepreneurs, and salespeople to manage that change as it is today based upon your background and your experience? Well, we're all experienced now, right? You know, we've been doing this Zoom or Skype thing, Microsoft Teams, since March. And I will, without question, say that we're going to be doing this deep into the future. We'll certainly migrate back into offices, into face-to-face conversations. So this is now going to be, instead of what we do every day, it'll be an element, but it's not going away. There are certain pros and cons to, let's just keep it, use the word Zoom as a general word to a a Zoom call. And right now you and I are talking one-to-one. It's pretty similar to if we were going out for a drink. I mean, it's not that different. And in some ways I could almost make a case it's more intimate. However, when you start to put five or 10 people into a Brady Bunch looking screen of little faces, especially where people can start to lose their attention. And I mean, I, look, I've seen people lose their attention in face-to-face meetings and conference rooms. You know, the guy that's starting to fall asleep or staring at his phone. But this is, it's exacerbated when you think you're more private in your house. So we have certain issues. There's a, the brain works in certain ways in a sales call. I interviewed a neuroscientist for this book, a neuroscientist, Patrick Renoir, it's a podcast I did. And he talks about a certain latency that happens in these kinds of things. There's a technical, technological latency that happens. There are issues where people will forget middle sections of what you've been talking about. This works both in real life, so to speak, and online primacy and recency. And that means the people remember the first thing they saw and the last thing they saw or the first thing they heard and the last thing. And this is really, I think, exacerbated in, in the online space. 
One thing I find that people really have to pay attention to is the technology. I mentioned to you earlier that I was on a call last week, a Zoom call, and my internet died. And I was scrambling around because I didn't, I didn't plan for that. I didn't have the guy's phone number on my phone. I mean, I should be able to have just called him up and said, hey, Bob, I'm sorry, let's give me five minutes to figure this out. It took 10 to 15 minutes for me. We were gone. I thought he was just going to leave. Okay. So imagine that in a big sales call. It doesn't work well. Imagine in a big sales call, if you have one of your potential clients whose video is off, it's just the black screen. I mean, this happens. So these are not what I'll call high level issues, but when the technology doesn't work, you're screwed. I mean, it just messes the flow. Yeah. So technological barriers, right? So understanding and knowing what might happen, right? What might actually happen. That's a critical component. You know, and I think Zoom is obviously, you know, they're, it's pretty solid, but again, you're depending upon your, your bandwidth and the different variables, I, obviously you could run into some issues there, like you said. Beyond the technology, because I think that's something that, like you said, that's a pretty manageable issue in most cases, right? You know, if you have decent bandwidth and you have a little bit of preparation. What about if you were sitting down with, with a business owner now who was going to be going after large enterprise accounts and he was limited to this virtual environment, right? If he was limited to this virtual environment, he can't fly out to LA and do a two-hour presentation and you know the whole song and dance, or he can't bring them into his conference room and, and really woo them. What would be two or three big nuggets that you would share with him or her? You know, what would you share with them about this entire you know, sales and presentation process for an enterprise account? Because you've done this dance many, many times and I think you're probably one of the best that could possibly navigate the conversation. So what would be a couple of nuggets that you would want to share with them? I use a word to describe how to manage these meetings that really comes from the theater world, and it's called stagecraft. It's understanding how to create a memorable, interesting, and hard to ignore. There's a word I use in my business called being unignorable, right? And one has to think that in many sales processes, there might be two or three, if not four, other companies that this person is talking to. And, and if they're in a row, you're dealing with somebody who's going to be losing their attention. So stagecraft is critical. I have my ideas, but the best thing I have is I know really great people in the world, very, very smart marketers. And one explained to me how, she, how her agency pitched for one of the dating applications and they broke the meeting down into three-minute increments. They, they were very crafted. They had a script. They knew what they were doing. Each person had a job. They used video. They brought in interviews with potential customers. And anyone can do this. I think if you make aircraft parts, you could bring in an engineer for a minute. They don't have to talk for a long time, but it breaks it up and it keeps people interested. So I think stagecraft is critical. There's another thing that's kind of interesting. Wait, let's, um, let's unpack that a little bit, the stagecraft yeah, yeah, sure. piece, because I think that's interesting. So what that really comes down to, in my eyes, the first thing that comes to mind is preparation, right? You can't fly by the seat of your pants. You can't just go with your gut or just fly from the hip. I mean, this takes some preparation, not only in the visual components, but in the actual flow of the presentation, the words and the points and the concepts that you're sharing, right? I mean, I don't want to gloss over that, right? Because, you know, yeah. we're not selling $99 software here, right? This is not what this type of a presentation, that's not what your background is. I mean, you know, your background is selling these multi seven figure type contracts. I'm assuming they're pretty large contracts when you're dealing with, you know, Fortune 
500 Fortune 1000 brands, which is pretty much all that Saatchi and Saatchi really did business with, right? Yeah. So I think that, you know, first I want people to understand this is much more of an enterprise sale. So this is a high ticket sale that typically has a significant payout on the back end. So number one, you're going to have to invest a lot more time, energy, and resources up front to prepare for that because it's, you know, the, the lifetime value of that client is huge. So you might want to, you might want to prepare a little bit better because the win losses can be, you know, can be extreme. So that stagecraft piece I think is really important. And I love that whole concept of bringing it down into kind of three minute increments and bringing multiple people in. You know, one of the things that also came to mind beyond just pitching, you know, a service, you know, or a product that, like you were talking about, I mean, everybody, it seems as though is out there raising money. I mean, I would assume that this type of presentation would probably work very well from a money raising and from a venture capital perspective. And from that type of perspective, have you ever used it? Have you ever used your skills there to, you know, to convert over into that part of the world? Well, there's absolutely no question that there's a universal need and the universal need works whether you're pitching a VC for a cash investment or selling, as you say, an enterprise sale. You know, I'm thinking 75% of the rules and understanding the pitfalls and the opportunities are stretch across. I have pitched and I have raised money from VCs. I can tell you that keeping their interest, and this is, you know, this is important in person and virtually, keeping somebody's interest is important. I once pitched business where I had, you know, this was, let me tell you the date, uh, 2001. I thought it would be interesting if I came, and, and you, I'm making a point here because you can do this online as well. I had all of my documents in a paper bag, and I, and I did that for theater. And when the VC said, but does this work using SMS? And I pulled out a document and said, yes, it does. This was, uh, we had a bot, a B-O-T, a bot company. You can do that online, and it requires you to understand what happens in the small frame. People tend to sit like little robots. You don't have to do that. You can get up and stand. You can actually craft your room to have a big screen behind you, have the presentation on the big screen behind you, and you can be standing in front of it. I think we get caught up in the what a Zoom call looks like, and it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be that way. So it's really an element of creativity here. You know, going back to the three-minute segments, it was brilliant because this agency brought in interviews with people that date. They brought in a psychologist. And it kept the client's interest. It's sort, you know, there's, when we say stagecraft, it's really think through how a comedian manages a stage, how a great speaker controls an audience. I use Martin Luther King as an example, uh, Kennedy as an example. And just now you're squeezing it into a frame, use your hands, stand up, move around. I mean, there's things that you can do to keep people paying attention. If I just stare at you for 30 minutes, it's boring. Yeah, I agree. And I think the talking head thing, people are, people are kind of sick of the whole talking head back and forth. And I think varying that with different types of media and changing, kind of changing the frame, like you said, whether that be a presentation behind you or bringing in some other B-roll or video roll of something, you know, I think that that really adds to the presentation, especially when you're talking about virtual, because that's all stuff you would do if you weren't virtual, right? I mean, yeah. why yeah. not try to recreate I mean, there's no, in my opinion, there's no replacement to face-to-face, -face, right? I mean, I think it's almost impossible. And I don't know that virtual will ever fully get to that, but why not try to recreate that feel, right? And so I think that stagecraft tip is very good. What else would you share beyond stagecraft? Body language. You know, we know, and, and in the book, I talk about this idea that we communicate 
with body language. And I'm, I'm using another psychologist in this case to make that point. And the question now becomes, how do you do body language in a little window? Let me give you the simplest problem. We tend to stare at the middle of the computer screen because that's where you know, I'm looking at Dennis's eyes and he's in the middle of the screen. That's a problem. It's not easy to train people to look up. If, and I'm just talking about now using the laptop camera. There are other things that you can do, but it is a problem. And smart people understand that eye contact is critical. And when you're dealing with people in the sales organization, I mean, these are not necessarily men and women that are schooled in stagecraft, but the point of my writing a book is to say to people, as simple as it sounds, make eye contact and you know, understand and rehearse your sales pitch so well beforehand that you can actually look into their eyes. And in this case, their eyes are, of course, you know, this little, little green dot at the top of the Mac. I have been told, I haven't explored this, I'll do it before I finish the book, that there are cameras that are now being, can be attached to the middle of the screen, all right? And another element of this, and think about it, is a, what do they call a teleprompter? If you had to record something ahead of the meeting, and I also suggest to people that they send videos ahead of the meeting to cover some of the things that you don't have to cover in the meeting, you know, and we know we do it in a paper-based RFP, request for information or a proposal, but you can do that with video ahead of the meeting. And there are these teleprompter tools that are just like television net stations where you talk into the camera. And these are not expensive and not hard to use, take an hour or two to figure out and get trained in it. And all of a sudden you look like a pro and people want to hire people who out there act together and are pros. Yeah, no doubt. No, I think, I think those are good tips, you know, especially when you factor in, you know, like you said, the whole staring at the middle of the screen and, and body language and eye contact. I mean, I think that, again, this goes back to basic selling, right? If you were selling, if you were sitting in a coffee shop selling something to a prospect or you were in a boardroom or you're in virtual like we are right now, I think those concepts still play through. And so I think that people don't need to throw out the fundamentals of sales and what builds rapport and what builds trust and what builds relationships. You need to figure out a way to adopt and adapt the new environment to that rather than trying to make new rules. I don't think, I think those fundamental sales concepts are still hold through and I think those aren't going to necessarily change. So I think that's good advice to just reiterate, you know, in the virtual world. Okay. So we talked about stagecraft. We talked about body language. If you had that entrepreneur who was going to be going out and pitching these big accounts, what would be one last piece of advice you would give him in order to create a stellar presentation that helps him win more pitches? I think I always view these things as three-dimensional. And I, there's a funny term used in advertising called the leave behind. And so this is more general, but I, again, I think, think of ways to tie these pieces together. The virtual presentation is digital. When I say leave behind, let's, often people forget what you just discussed. So I would say a couple of things. One, if you're presenting, record it for yourself potentially recorded for the client. You can always say to them, would you like a recording? This is like a kind of a sweet thing. I saw this happen recently. Client said, oh, really? You recorded it? Oh, thank you. Right? You know, because Bob was sleeping there in the corner. You saw him, you know. Exactly. <laughs> you know Bob's in Australia. It's <laughs> five in the morning for him. <laughs> so do that. But I really think it's very important that you send something digital, whether it's a video, to that client afterwards. 
because it ties that whole digital experience together. The, an issue with Zoom is it's ephemeral. It's one hour. You and I are going to talk for an hour, and then it's like evaporates. And we, we have to be very careful about this. How do you extend this digital experience beyond just what we're doing? So I, I think that's a, ma a major plus. And, then, and this is just a side note for sales in general. Ask for the order. You know, don't do one of these where everybody goes, okay, bye. Hey, that was really great. See you later. What are the next steps? Be very clear. What are the next steps? Even when you turn your machine off, understand how you're going to follow up. Yeah. So one thing I want to, I want to take one step back, which was the leave behind, because, you know, one of the things that you had mentioned that you had done in the past as, as part of this leave behind is you had went to the extent of actually creating a microsite right? You know, yep. a kind of a microsite, which, which was very specifically developed and created specific to that account, right? And it probably handled a lot of the, what you covered in the presentation as well as other things. Could you expand on that and why, why you did that and how powerful that was for you, that whole concept of a microsite, which in my eyes is basically a leave behind, right? Yes. We, uh, I'll give you an example. My agency worked with Nike. We were pitching an element of their business and Nike, because they were already our client, you know, would get a little flaky in a, in a conference room. They knew us, right? You know? So we said to ourselves, okay, we, and we also needed to prove to them because it was a digital project that we were digital guys. And this is 10 years ago, right? So we built out, I, I would say it was no more than six pages. You just have to be very conscious of being a brevity, but I'm an ad agency guy. So I had good creative people and it was a couple of short videos and links to the documents that we had presented. It was very, very simple. It was password protected, so they knew everything was cool. This is not hard to do. And uh, what it does, one of the benefits is it not only reminds the prospect of what you told them, you know, Aristotle said, tell them what you're gonna tell them, tell them again, and then tell them what you told them. All I right, like so that. The, the last element of this is tell them what you told them, and that's, that is the, little video, by the way, this could just be a video, okay? Or a microsite that you send them. And this reminds them of what you told them. And more importantly, it's something that can be shared through their organization. So if it's an enterprise sale, there's no way they're bringing everybody. But they can say to Sally, hey, Sally, check this out. These guys did a microsite. You, this is, you weren't in the meeting, but they're pretty cool. I like the way they're uh, addressing our issue and the cost structure. I love that. And, you know, the other thing that I would do if I were incorporating it into it and, I, and taking into consideration the brevity component, right? You don't want to, number one, you probably don't have the time, energy, and resources to do a huge site. Number two, they're probably not going to look at it and it's probably just going to be confusing. But one of the things, the elements that first comes to my mind is, you know, frequently asked questions, right? What would be some questions and important questions that you could specifically address almost guiding them through those questions, even though they didn't necessarily answer them or ask those questions you know, I think those would be great ways to differentiate yourself, right? Because I think the whole concept of this microsite is a great differentiator because not everybody is going to go to this length. Maybe in the advertising world these days, they probably will or they might. But in the not, let's take, let's look at the non-advertising world. Let's look at raising money as VC or let's look at selling, you know, enterprise software, you know, accounting or ERP or, or these large software or, you know, whatever types of products. I'm not sure that the clients or the, uh, the companies are going to this length. And so I think that leave behind of that microsite 
is a really simple, but like you said, I think it's a really powerful concept because it can allows you to guide the conversation beyond, you know, just clicking end on the Zoom meeting. Yes. Well, you're very conscious of time. So let, let me give you an, an example of a way to use some of these materials. You can send something ahead before the meeting that says, I'm going to quickly answer your seven most important questions before we even get into the meeting, right? Everybody's got a bunch of questions that they've got on their mind before they want to buy a product or a service. So let's, let's just address this and, and tell them, I'm sending you this two-minute video, then we're going to do a Zoom call, and then I'm going to follow up with a three-minute uh, website, for example, which will recap the meeting. And what happens there? The client says, these guys have their act together, okay? They're not wasting my time. It's amazing sometimes how, how a salesperson doesn't answer the questions quickly. And you probably know, should know what the pain points are of, of that prospect. No, I love that. I love that basic framework, sending a short video up front, like you said, that Aristotle quote, tell them what you're going to tell them, then tell them, what was that quote again? Say that again. That's, that was tell, well, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them again. Yeah. And that's what you did with that little three-part framework yep. that you just shared. So I love that. All right. Listen, is there anything else you want to add before we close out? Peter, I know you've got three books in the wings. I know you've got, you know, you're living in Mexico. You've got a lot of projects going on. Why don't we give one parting piece of advice and then we'll wrap it up for today? Well, I'm, let's pretend I'm an expert, but I also know that there are other experts out there. So if you can, in a sales pitch, bring in third parties that whose discussion is designed to reinforce what you say, I think that's, that works very well. It's, in other words, don't take my word for it. And that's why I like those three-minute increments that the agency did to pitch dating. They brought in people that were on dates. And if you want your prospect to lean in, and it might be you know, getting a testimonial from an, uh, an existing client, it just cannot only be a me, me pitch. Yeah, I love that. You know, the, one of my favorite quotes is, when you say it about yourself, it's bragging, but when someone else says it about you, it's proof, right? And I think yeah. that bringing in that third party is a really powerful concept, even when we're in a video, Zoom, virtual world. So awesome. Listen, a couple rapid fire questions and then we'll wrap it up for today. What's your favorite growth tool, software, app? I mean, you went from the advertising world to the internet tech world. So I'm sure you've used and continue to use a bunch of tools. What's one of your favorite growth tool for your business and for your business life? Well, as a business person these days, I still believe in LinkedIn. I mean, LinkedIn works. However, it really has to be managed. It's so pay to play today. And there's, there's so much pressure in terms of getting messages from other people really poorly crafted messages from other people. But I, LinkedIn is still the number one tool in terms of business-to-business -business outreach and so many ways to use it. I mean, you can figure out everybody's uh, real email. There are a lot of ways to do it. Video on LinkedIn, I think it's highly under, underutilized. I would say that's it, that's it. And as a side note, if there are young people listening, TikTok is moving up very quickly in terms of being a communication tool and essentially a sales tool. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on the LinkedIn. It's one of the most underutilized and misunderstood. Like you said, a lot of, there's a lot of people doing it the wrong way. I mean, that's been a, I couldn't agree with you more. Anybody that knows me knows I'm a big LinkedIn guy. And what would be one book that you would recommend to the audience? Something that maybe helped you on your journey or you think might help them on theirs? Oh, well, you know, I've got have a zillion books. There's a gentleman who's probably written, I'm going to guess 15 books, David Meerman Scott, a famous marketer. 
And he, I believe, I haven't read it yet. It's on my list. Just wrote a book about virtual presentations. So he's got a take on it. And I, I think that that would be interesting. And, I've, and a shout out to a friend of mine has a podcast, the Marketing Book Podcast. I don't know if you've read, listened to that. Over 300 reviews of marketing books. Yeah, love it. So no, that, that's great. Yeah, so, and this guy Douglas just does a great job. You know, because when you say a book to read, we all know there's so many things we could do with our time, right? Yeah, for sure. Well, listen, Peter, I really appreciate you being here. I appreciate your, you, know, you sharing that, that bit of wisdom with us. Let everybody know how they can connect with you, learn more about what you have going on, and then we'll wrap it up for today. Cool. Well, if they just go to my website, Peter Levitan, L-E-V-I-T-A-N.com. I would suggest at this point, if they want to make sure they get a copy of the new book, that they send me an email, do something like that. You'll get something else. You know, there's always an offer to get the hook. And uh, if they want to buy the, the current book, the one that exists until probably three, three months from now, it's easy to find on one of the pages. So do you want them to send you a message through the website or do you want to give your email to reach out? Yeah, my out? email I mean, just is just very easy. I make life easy. Peter at peterlevitan.com. Let me know you'd like to know when the book comes out and I'll start, you know, I'm a marketer, so I'll be pushing this out. But yes, yeah, so, and a side note, people, I say that I have a Corleone offer. Just give me a call. I'll talk to you about your business for 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I don't care. You don't have to pay me. I'm just interested in talking to people and helping them. Yeah. Love it. Perfect. Well, congrats, Peter. Uh, I look forward to the new updated version of the book. I'll definitely get a copy. I'll make sure I add those links in the show notes. Have an awesome day and I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Well, thank you. Great podcast. Appreciate it. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.